Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. chapter 27, the gospel of Matthew chapter number 27. I want to say we have service here tonight. We're looking forward to another great service, an opportunity to come and to worship the Lord and to feel his presence and to experience the power and the glory of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And uh, I believe God is going to move again here tonight, but we're not through with today. Amen. We're expecting good things to happen for us here this morning. I hope you come hungry for God to do something in your life. I hope you come every church service with expectation. I don't believe we ought to come to God's house without having an expectation that God is going to move. Because, you know, there's just certain places even in this world that you go and places you attend that you have certain expectations. Maybe you looked it up on Yelp. You know what that is. And uh, you searched it out and you read the reviews and and you decided that you're going to go to a certain restaurant and by the reviews and by what has been told, those that have previously visited the place, uh, you have an expectation. This is this is going to be uh, this is going to be good or this is going to be a, a great place for me to go on this special occasion. Well, I believe that that uh, by the testimonies of people that come to the house of God and have experienced the presence of the Lord, we've got a we've got a good good review here that God is going to move and God is going to work and God is going to have His way. Praise the Lord! And I'm expecting such here this morning. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 57. I want to jump into the narrative here. And when the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own tomb which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. I want you to notice the actions that this man took. First of all, the Bible says he begged of Pilate the body of Jesus. And then it says that after it was delivered to him, had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And I simply want to preach what I feel upon my heart this morning, and that is making a place for him, making a place for him. I want the Lord to truly help us today. 
if you have not made provision and made and provided a place for the Lord in your life, I, I hope that you do so this morning. I hope before this service is over that you can receive what we've been talking about when we talk about the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the Lord on the inside. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the Holy Ghost, those of you that have experienced this wonderful gift? It's a great, great experience to have the Holy Ghost. And if you do not have it before this service is over, I prayed about you this morning that God would fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost because I don't believe that the Holy Ghost is just for those that we read about in the New Testament or the book of Acts or the beginning of the church. But I believe as long as the church age exists, which includes you and I, until the Lord comes and raptures his church out of this world, the Holy Ghost is a promise for every individual and every person that first of all repents of their sin. You say, how, how do I repent of my sin? I'll tell you how. You ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins and you make a conscious decision and choice that by the help of the Lord, I'm not going back to that sin. I'm not returning to that lifestyle. I'm going to go on and live for God. And God forgives a person that repents. We've got a whole lot of folks in here that can testify this morning that God forgave them of their sin. Hallelujah. You say, well, you don't know me. You don't know my life. You don't know where I come from. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been involved in. You don't know how messed up my world is. Well, I'm going to tell you the blood of Jesus is able to cleanse. He's able to wash. He's able to make whole. He's able to heal. No matter how damaged, how messed up a person's life is, how scarred by sin a person's life is, God is able to put it back together again. I believe that with all of my heart. Let's lift up our hands and pray that the Lord would help us today. Dear Jesus, I'm asking you to help us as your people here this morning. As we endeavor to do your will, as we endeavor to walk God close to you, be sensitive to you here today, I pray that you would bless and have your way in this service. Touch the hearts of people that are gathered here in this house. Move upon the souls of individuals in this place here this morning. We need your touch. We need your strength. We need the power of your anointing. We need your glory to come down in this room. Come on, church. Pray with me right now. Let's pray for the strength and the blessing and the touch of God in this house. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Could somebody give praise again to the name of the Lord? Thank you so much for standing in. You may be seated. The subject of our text here this morning is, of course, Joseph of Arimathea. And we know that uh, Joseph of Arimathea is mentioned in all four of the Gospels. We know that Joseph is a very popular name in the Word of God. Even from the Old Testament, we have a very towering figure, a patriarch by the name of Joseph. And then, of course, uh, Joseph, the father of Jesus, uh, the one that would care for him throughout his young life. And then this man, Joseph of Arimathea, and he is mentioned in every one of the Gospels. He was of Arimathea, which was a small village about 20 miles, as best as I can tell, from the city of Jerusalem. And it was here that he lived his life. This is where he grew up. 
And apparently, by what we know of him and the thumbnail sketch that we have in the Scripture, he was a very successful man. The Bible tells us some details about his life. And here we can put the pieces and the clues together to find out what kind of individual that he was. First of all, we note that he was a very rich man. He was a wealthy man. And he also served in the position of being in the Sanhedrin court. And he was also, by virtue of serving in the Sanhedrin court, a community leader of sorts and a politician, if you will. Yet he maintained his integrity and he was a righteous man, a man that was a community leader. And if you want to term it that way, in a sense, involved in a political part of, of society and culture in those times, but yet he maintained his righteousness and he lived for the Lord and according to the word of the Lord. He also used the resources that the Lord had blessed him with, the prestige and the power, the wealth and uh, the political uh, influence that he had as a man of the Sanhedrin court. He did not use it for his personal gain, but he used it to get audience with Pilate and also persuade Pilate. The Bible indicates that he pled with Pilate for the opportunity to be involved with the body of Jesus Christ. Now I realize that our text here this morning, being in the gospel, is speaking of the literal body of Christ. But we know that the Apostle Paul later in the epistles explains that the church is the body of Christ that is in the earth. This man humbled himself to be able to serve the body of Christ. He gave this body a special place. And let me ask you, at the onset of this message here this morning, does the church have a special place in your life? I don't know about you, but when I think about the church, when I think about uh, the opportunities and the blessings of God that has been afforded to me since being a part of the church of the living God, I want to say that I am so thankful that God gave me the opportunity, that I have had the chance, that I have uh, made the choice to serve the Lord, and God has moved in my life as he has and gave me a place and a part in the body of Christ. And if you're here this morning and you've been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with his spirit, you're a part of the body, you're part of the bride of Christ, you ought to be very thankful this morning that God gave you this chance. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. We sometimes think about all the things that we can offer the church and we can do for the church and, and how that we can, can really be an asset to the church. But I, I want to tell you the greatest benefit is what God has done for us. We should never forget that we were really nothing before God found us. Everything that we are is because God has been so gracious, because God has been so merciful, because God has been so kind to us. I'm thankful that His Spirit 
drew me. I'm thankful that his spirit moved upon my heart. He didn't have to, but he did. He didn't have to touch us. He didn't have to move upon us. But I am thankful that his spirit calls. I am thankful that his spirit draws. That his spirit compels people to an altar of repentance. You ought not shun conviction. You ought not shun the spirit of God making you uncomfortable with sin. But you ought to thank God for that every day. Because he could have let you walk on. He could have allowed you to go on in your sinful way. But thankfully, by the grace of the Lord, you felt the conviction. You felt the touch of God. You felt the moving of His Spirit. And you came and obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that alone was the best day of your life. There's no other day that even compares to that day. Hallelujah. You may have had a lot of great days since then living for God, but that is the greatest day, the greatest opportunity that's been afforded to any one of us in this room is the opportunity to come and give our lives to God and be able to live for Him and be a part of the body of Christ. Amen. If you're thankful for that, why don't you clap your hands and worship Him this morning. And so this man made a special place for the body of Jesus. Let me just ask you another question. Does the things of God have a place of prominence in your life? And it's really easy to make this evaluation because all you've got to do is ask yourself this question. Am I faithful to God? Am I faithful to God? Amen. We know that typically in the Scripture that our relationship with God parallels the relationship between a man and a woman in marriage. We are the bride of Christ. And I wonder if we view it in that respect, have we really been faithful to God as we need to be? Have we given place to the Lord in our lives as we should? We could ask ourselves the question, am I faithful to God in my church attendance? Because that's really showing how much I am committed and how much I really do love and what kind of place, a priority that the Lord has in my life. When I set aside time for Him and I come into His presence, I worship Him and I receive from His Word. This is something that we cannot discount. And I realize that the trends of the world is, is to cut back on church and we fill our lives with so many other carnal things that do not matter and we busy ourselves with a lot of things that are not eternal but can I preach to you this morning that our church attendance shows and reveals just how faithful we are to God we cannot claim to be faithful to God and not come to his house regularly we cannot claim to be faithful to God and, and not show up here to hear from His Word and receive what He has for us and how He wants to speak to us because God wants a daily relationship with us. I said He wants a daily relationship with us. 
Not just an appointment one time a week. Not just an appointment ever so often when, when there's nothing else on the schedule. But, but God wants us to be fully committed to Him. And one of the ways that we prove that and one of the ways that we show that is that we're faithful to the house of God. It may not be a popular message in the 21st century, but it's still the truth of God's Word. And it's still important that you be faithful to the house of the Lord. Are you faithful to God in your prayer life? Do you have time every day that you set aside for God to touch heaven, to pray, to hear from the Lord? And prayer is more than just giving God our wish list. It's, it's more than just coming into His presence and speaking a one-way uh, monologue to the Lord and telling Him of all the distresses that we have and unloading on God. But it's being willing to have dialogue with God and allow Him and be sensitive enough to Him to, to have Him speak to us, direct us. How many knows that the Spirit wants to speak to us? The Spirit wants to, to move upon our hearts and it wants to talk to us about some things in our life. And as the Spirit speaks to us, we're willing to obey it. And the only way that we can be obedient to the Spirit of God is to spend time in the presence of the Lord. Man, that's why pre-service prayer is so vitally important. When we come and we seek the face of the Lord and spend time in prayer, we're opening up our hearts so that God can speak to us in the church service. That way we're not having to spend the first 30, 45 minutes of the church service getting in tune and adapting ourselves to where we are in the presence of God. We're already there. We're already ready. And as the church and as the saints of God... We are sensitive to the moving of the Spirit of the Lord so that God can even use us to touch somebody else's life. Amen. It's a shame when we as saints of God have got to get tuned up every week before we can minister to somebody else. God, help us to get to a place that we can help others that are around us that need the touch of the Lord, that need the Spirit of the Lord to minister to them, that need to hear the voice of God in their life. And we should be creating an atmosphere with our worship and with our pre-service prayer that when they step into the building they can feel the power of God. They can feel something like they never have felt before. Come on, this is not all about us. This is not all about what I can get out of it and how I feel about it. It's got to be about a mission of reaching people and souls that are around us. I want people that walk into this place to notice a distinct difference in this house than any other church and any other traditional format that they go to. When they step into this place, they feel the glory and the power of the Holy Ghost. And that can only come through real prayer and connecting with God on a regular and consistent basis. Oh, yeah. Uh, let, me, let me just ask you, are you faithful to God in your giving? Are you faithful to God in the paying of your tithe to the Lord? Because it's there that you're showing what place he has in your life. Amen. It was easy when we were making 100 bucks a week to give 10 of it to God. But now you're making much more and can you still give him the first fruits? Can you still put him first in your life? 
He told Joshua, he said, when you go into the promised land, the first city is mine. All the gold, all the silver, everything that you plunder out of that city of Jericho, I want you to put it up before the Lord because it's mine. It's the city of first fruit. And that principle still exists throughout the word of God. We're showing priority. We're showing what place he has in our life when we pay our tithe and give our offerings unto the Lord. We're saying you're not second best. You're not somewhere down the line. You're not just in the top ten. But God, you're at the number one post. You have the platform of my life. You're everything to me. I'm trusting you. I'm living for you. I'm serving you. Hallelujah. So many so many folks, amen, they do not realize the principle of putting God first in their life with their finances. Feeling like, well, I just don't have the faith. I just don't, I don't know if I can make it if I do this. I'm going to tell you, you can't make it if you don't do it. Praise the Lord. This world is getting shaky. Economy is falling apart. Amen. Everything around us is fluid. The one thing that is solid and is a rock that you can stand on is the word of God and brother and sister if you've ever been solid on the word you need to get into it plant your feet pour semen around them and make up your mind I'm not going anywhere I'm sticking with the book I'm sticking with the word of God I want to be solid in a world that's falling apart hallelujah praise God let me ask you do you do you are you faithful to God when it comes to the truth? Are you faithful to God when it comes to handling the truth? I don't want to do anything to take away from the raw truth of God's word. It's not up to me. It's not up to my opinions. It's not up to me to try to change it to fit my lifestyle or to fit your lifestyle. It's the word of God. It's to be unadulterated. It's to, it's to be uh, able, and it is able, to stand by itself. Amen. We don't dabble with the truth. We don't try to change or carve away from the truth. We don't rip pages out of this book. Oh, no, like the king in Israel that uh, decided there were certain things about the law of God that he didn't like, and he took a pen knife and he cut it out. And I'm going to tell you, if you get into that practice, you'll cut and cut until there's nothing left. There's nothing to fall back on. But I'm going to tell you, the Word of God is what's going to judge us in the end. And uh, the Word of God is what I need to align my life to. And it's not up to me to define. It's not up to me to try to change. It's not up to me. It's no private interpretation, the Scripture says. But it's the unadulterated, raw truth that we need in these last days because the Bible says the truth doesn't bind us. It's the truth that makes us free. I said it's the truth. The only thing, the only hope, the only help this world has is to be obedient to the truth. The more they deviate from the truth, the more chaotic things get. The more they fall away from the truth, the more violence there is in this world. The more hate there is in this world. The more restriction is put upon them. But I'll tell you, when you obey the truth, when you get the truth in your heart, you're free from all of that stuff. 
stuff. You're free from sin. You're free from the bondage of this world. You're free from the things that once held you captive. The Bible says about this book that he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. When we obey the truth of God's word, he has so many blessings, so many good things that he wants to do for us in our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think we ought to raise our hands again and thank God for the truth. I thank God for this one God message. I thank God for the revelation of the Jesus name, baptismal formula. I thank God for the truth about the essentiality of the Holy Ghost. I thank God for the truth that I know about a separated lifestyle before God. And I, when I talk about being faithful and I'm talking about these different areas and aspects that reveal our faithfulness. I'm not talking about this when we get stirred up. I'm not just talking about when we get convicted. I'm not just talking about when we occasionally are moved upon or when revival services are in session or a special speaker comes by and strums our heartstrings just right and we get all moved on and excited and it lasts about a week or two and then we fizzle out. I don't think that's really truly living for God. And I'm all for getting inspired. I'm all for getting on fire. And I'm all for God touching people and moving on people. But some way or another, we got to keep on putting logs on that fire. Some way or another, we got to keep that intensity. Some way or another, we can't let the devil in this world drown out. Amen. In some way, cause that fire that used to rage in us to fizzle down to this ashes. But we got to keep that fire alive. Just like, like what it talked about in Leviticus 6 that the Lord initiated. He started. He ignited the fire that was on the altar. And then he commanded the priest. He said, I want you to never let the fire go out. Some of us have let the fire go out over time. We've let circumstances squelch our fire. We've let heartache squelch our fire. We've let trials squelch our fire. We've let the, the deals that we've had to, to walk through and the valleys that we've been in and the troubles that we've had some way take away from the fire. I'm going to preach to you today that the fire that God has initiated in your heart you should never let it go out. It should burn just as hot today as it ever has. In fact, it should burn harder today than it ever has because we're living, friends, in the last of the last days. If you've ever been a worshiper, you should be a worshiper now. If you've ever been a praiser, bless your heart, you ought to be a praiser now. If you've ever been a radical for God, you ought to be radical now. If you've ever been in the Spirit, you better get in the Spirit now. If you've ever walked with God, you better run for Him now. That's right. That's right. Quit making excuses. Quit putting it off. Quit being a procrastinator. And make up your mind. It's time for me and my family to get on fire for God. Now, if you didn't want a preacher to challenge you today, you come to the wrong place. Amen. If you want to be soft-soaked, patted on the back, and you wanted the data boy, then you come to the wrong house. 
because we're living in a day and an hour Amen. When we have got so much political correctness uh, and we've got so many people patting one another on the back uh, while we all just merrily go to hell, I'm preaching to you this morning. You better get on fire for God, sir. You better get back in this thing. You better commit your life to the Lord. So I note some things. Amen. I note some things about Joseph of Arimathea that I want to preach to you about here this morning. First of all, there's some things that he did. Number one, he laid the body of Jesus in a new tomb, Brother Blue. Now you know, and we even see evidence of it, because when they cast Elisha, the men that was carrying his body into that tomb, there were other bones that were in that tomb that came alive when his body touched it. Is that scripture? So apparently it was customary family tombs. We know that several was buried in the tombs of Machpelah. Several of the patriarchs in the book of Genesis were buried there. And so we understand that it was customary to reuse these tombs. That seems a little unusual to us. I remember going to a funeral, a burial place in San Jose, and, and if you know anything about the Bay Area, you know that in San Jose property, they don't they don't sell it by the acre. They don't even sell it by they don't even sell it uh, by plots. Really, they sell it by not even foot. They sell it by inches. Really, I mean it's it's very expensive area, and uh, they were performing a burial there. And I noticed something peculiar about the headstones there. It was, it was right there, and it listed all these names. And I said, well, my Lord. And uh, come to find out, there were several that was going to be buried down through the ground there. Kind of unusual to me. I don't know how they're going to get it done in the rapture, but I, I suppose it'll all work out. Amen. I said, not you, not you, not you, you. Come on out. You didn't make it, you didn't make it, you didn't make it, but you did. I don't know about you, but I want to be buried on top. Matter of fact, I, I might want one of them mausoleums. I won't have to get my, my white, my white uh, wedding garment dirty. I can just walk out the door. Said, Lord, I'm ready. Praise God. But he put him in a new tomb even though this may have not been customary to do. He placed him in this new tomb. This was a special place. It had to be a special place, and it was a clean place, a place that was cleaned out of all of the old, all of the clutter and all the bones of the past. There was none of that there. This was a new place. Amen. Can I preach about that a little while? If you're going to live for God, if you're going to be a part of this, if you're going to serve the Lord, if you're going to have the Lord in your life, he's going to have to, first of all, have a prominent place, and he's not going to be where it's not a clean place. Amen. And you have to clean some things out. There's so many people that want the Lord to coexist and co-inhabit with the filth and the corruption and the sin and the old habits and the old man that they have been. 
and they want to continue on that path and live that life and be that individual and that person and still claim Christianity and still claim to be apostolic and still claim to be a part of God's church. He said, no, we're going to place him in a clean place. I'm going to tell you, that's where the Lord still inhabits is a clean place. That's where amen, he needs to be in your life is in a clean place. When you say God, I'm bringing all of this past, all of this clutter that's in my life, all of these old things that are not what they should be or need to be. I'm bringing it to the altar. I'm committing it all to you. I need you to cleanse me and wash me. The Bible said, behold, he makes all things new. Oh yeah, it's then that you become a receptacle. It's then that you become open to the Lord moving in your life as you need him to. He's not going to come where there's filthy, stinking things. Amen. He's not going to inhabit where there is things that do not agree and do not co-inhabit with things that are precious and holy. But he's coming to that place that has been cleaned out. That's why we preach the message of repentance. That's why we preach you got to get it under the blood of Jesus. That's why we talk about being cleansed and water baptism. He's looking for a clean place. He's looking for a holy place. Amen. He's looking for folks that says, God, clean me up. I don't want to be that man anymore. I don't want to live in that life. I don't want to live the dead trespasses of sin. But I want to live a resurrected life. I want to be holy before you. I want you to have that prominent position in my life. And then I noticed that this place was hewn out of a rock. I'm going to tell you something. It sometimes takes fallow ground being broken up. It takes our hardness being broken up. It takes brokenness to find God. That's why so many people, when they come to the Lord... It's after circumstances that have broken them. And they come to the Lord and say, God, here I am. Because God can only work when we humble ourselves. But really we have a choice concerning the matter. We can fall on the rock or the rock can fall on us. I would rather voluntarily fall upon the rock and say, God, I'm breaking myself on this altar before you. I don't want to have to live through circumstances and situations and storms in my life that break me. I don't want to have to live through uh, deals and, and trials and problems uh, that leave me in my mind scarred and hurt and wounded oh, to finally come and realize that God all along I should have been living for you. I should have been serving. It's a whole much better path when I make up my mind I'm coming. I'm falling on the rock. I'm repenting. God I'm letting my Myself be broken. And that's why sometimes it don't happen in just one night, one service, and one time of coming. But some of us are so hard, we need the Word of God to work on us a little bit. That's right. The Bible said the Word of God is like a hammer that breaketh the rock into pieces. This is just a sidebar, but that's why revival services are so important. Amen. Sometimes you can't get it done in a weekend. Brother Blue knows this. Sometimes it just don't happen in one service. And that's why 
old timers believe, and I still think that we ought to do a little bit more of it, coming back the next night and saying, preach to me again. There's a crack in, in the wall here, but, but uh, you just keep swinging that hammer, preacher. You keep preaching that word. You keep bringing that book down upon my heart. And it'll break up some things that need to be broken up. That's what the word of God will do. Amen. As the preacher keeps preaching and, and, the, and the Lord keeps using him. The Lord keeps dealing with us. And God, it's, it's, it feels like, it feels like, oh, why are you pounding on me all the time? Why are you preaching to me all the time? I had a friend went up to New Jersey and, you know, they kind of talked funny up there and he was preaching. And uh, there was a guy that kept running up to the front and jumping up on the banister there. It was a little wild. And he said, why are you always preaching to me, preacher? Why are you always preaching to me? He said, well, he said, you evidently need it. Go sit down. You're disturbing me. I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes we need a preacher to get in our business. We need a preacher to preach to us. Break up some things. Keep on swinging the hammer. You're not discouraged that. You're going to be saved by the foolishness of preaching. Instead of adopting the attitude the preacher's pre preaching to me or, or rather he's picking on me, you ought to say God's trying to get my attention and I, I need to hear what the word of the Lord says. It breaks some things up in my life. How many want some things to be broken up in your life? You want the Holy Ghost to move. and You want the Holy Ghost to touch you. You want to be sensitive to God. you got to get rid of that hardness. You, you're not going to get anywhere with that hardness. You're not going to get anywhere until you can break through and say, God, bring the tears back. Bring the brokenness back. Help me to fall on the rock. I've allowed some things to come in my heart that's made me hard. I've been hard. I've been hard against the Word of God. I've been hard towards my brothers and sisters in the Lord. I've been hard against the moving of the spirit. I'll let a spirit of criticism come into my heart. I'll let a spirit and attitude of bitterness get a hold of me. And I'll break up the photograph. Let the word of God come into my heart again. Come on, none of us are too big for preaching. None of us are too big to be preached to. None of us have gotten to the point that we've graduated from all of that. We need a preacher to preach to us. Take that hammer, preacher, and preach the word of God. it out. If he's going to have a special place in your life, you've got to submit yourself and open up your heart to the preaching of God's word. And then, and I like this, the Bible says that he rolled a great stone over the door of that tomb. He didn't want anything. There were varmints. There were all kinds of jackals and wild beasts of the night. Remember in Ethiopia, we were driving down city streets and they rationed the electricity so there was, wasn't many street lights to begin with, if any, in the town we were in. And so you would just, through the headlights, be able to see people walking, even 10, 11, 12 at night, walking in mass along the sides of the road. And I remember seeing a big hyena that was every bit of that tall. And... Uh, remember seeing him cross the road and and not long before that I'd seen just little kids playing in the street five, six, seven years old and I thought that wild beast is out there 
in this darkness. And those children are just not very far away from it. And how many knows how many wild beasts that we did not see that was out there in the dark. He, 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 he said there's, there's wild beasts. And then he knew the threat of somebody coming and stealing the body of Jesus. He said, I don't want his body to be des- desecrated. I don't want anyone to come and to steal it away. And so he secured it by rolling a stone over the mouth of that tomb. Can I preach to you when you get him in your life, when you make this decision to live for God, when you made the choice to be obedient and submit yourself to the truth of God's word, when you get this revelation of truth, you need to roll a stone across the mouth of the tomb, sir, and make up your mind nothing's going to steal it, nothing's going to take it away, nothing's going to keep me from living for God. I have made this as best I can secure. I don't believe in a once saved, always saved doctrine. Don't believe it's in the Bible at all. But I do know that my Bible says to make our calling and election sure. Make our calling. and What's that saying? Just like Joseph, you're rolling a stone in front of the tomb and saying when it comes to my life living for the Lord, that's off limits, devil. You're never going to do anything to get between me and God's church. You're never going to do anything to cause me to be lost. I'm not going to adopt into your filthy spirits. I'm not going to be tempted to be strayed away from the church I'm going to live for God I'm going to serve the Lord riches isn't going to do it position isn't going to do it bitterness isn't going to do it hurt feelings isn't going to do it none of this is going to keep me from living for God the most important thing in my life I'm going to tell you the devil is a thief the Bible said he come before to kill to steal and destroy he wants to steal every bit of consecration that you have he wants to take away every bit of this that you have. He wants to steal from you your passion for the things of God, your zeal for the things of God. He wants to steal every person's prayer life. He wants to take away every person's liberty and worship. He wants to dog you with condemnation. He wants to keep you in your pew and keep you silent when you come to the house of God. He wants you to have a bad spirit. He wants you to sit back with your arms crossed and judge everything that's going on. But I've got news for you now. I've already rolled a stone over the tomb. I've already secured this. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to walk with Jesus. I'm going to live this life. Would you stand with me with your hands lifted? Come on, let's worship the Lord together. Bible talks about a nail in a sure place. James talked about a man that was double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. Like a wave driven of the wind and tossed. You know, those waves can be so magnificent, so beautiful. Photographers travel for miles to take the picture of the perfect wave at Pipeline and Sunset Beach and Balboa, different places across the world. 
but they know it's a fleeting thing. Only certain seasons of the year. It's driven of the wind, tossed, is no more. It's gone. It's only a memory. The Bible talks about getting our foot on the rock. We used to sing a song. I got my foot on the rock and my mind made up. That's what Job had. His feet on the rock and his mind made up. And there's one more thing that Joseph of Arimathea did. The Bible says that when he put that stone over it, that he departed. He left it just like it was. He didn't go back and dabble with it. He settled it. Come on. It's time you settle some things. I'm going to live for God. I am going to serve the Lord. That's settled. That's not up for debate. I'm not trying to make up my mind about that. I'm not just looking for a better deal to come along. I'm not just in this until I am drawn away by something else or something else seems appealing to me. But it's settled. Come on. I believe when you get up from this altar, when you depart from this house, when you leave this building, you can have rolled a stone over the tomb and said, when it comes to living for God, that's settled. That's the way it is. And the devil would know it. And in your mind, you have settled some things and you'll better be equipped to fight the enemy and the temptations that come your way. But all began with Joseph pleading with Pilate to become involved with the body of Christ. Does this describe your relationship with God? Are you a seeker? Are you hungry for God? Do you long for His presence? Do you thirst the refreshing of His Spirit? Because the only way we can have a vibrant relationship with God, the only way we can truly be overcomers is to fervently seek the Lord every day and saying, God, again, I've got a place for you in my life, and it's the top place. It's the place of priority. It's the place of preeminence. Everything else is below this, but you're at, you're at the throne. Isn't it amazing in Isaiah chapter number 6, the Bible says that in the year that King Uzziah died, that Isaiah said, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up at his train filling the temple. Do you think that the Lord was not always in that position? Do you think that his glory was not always filling the temple? Do you think that God and his power was any less just because Isaiah couldn't see it? No. But something had to die. There was a king in his life that stood in his way of seeing the glory of the Lord. And all of us, all of us have things in our life that sits on thrones in our lives that have to be dethroned and have to be, the crown has to be stripped off of its head, so to speak for us to be able to see the Lord like we need to. Maybe it's some area of our life that's unconsecrated. 
that thing needs to be placed on the altar. It needs to be crucified with Christ. Amen. Whatever it is that keeps you from seeing the glory of the Lord, it'd be worth it if you just gave it to God. You just gave it to the Lord. Oh, yeah. I wonder if there's anybody who wants to do that here today. Why don't you step out from where you are if you do and walk to this altar. And maybe there's somebody that just says, I want to I wanna be all over again. I want to show my... I want to show my appreciation that He reigns in my life, that He is above all in everything in my life, that He has the prominent place. He has the place. Nobody else can inhabit that place but God. Nobody else can take that place but God. I yield it to you. I surrender it to you. I give it all to you. Let's come in towards this front and open up our hearts unto the Lord. Come on, let's open up our hearts unto the Lord and let God speak to us today. Come on, let God talk to us today. Hallelujah. Come on, give it all to Jesus. Make a place for Him. Surrender to Him. Yield it to Him. Give it all to Him. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Yes, Lord, yes. I yield myself to You. I surrender myself to You. I give everything to You, Lord. You're all to me, God. I love and appreciate You so much. Come on, church. He's talking. He's challenging somebody. He's speaking to somebody today. Hallelujah. Would you yield your life to him? Would you surrender yourself entirely to him? I need some altar help today. I need some people to be sensitive to God. Oh, yield yourself to the Lord. God, help us right now. Talk to us right now. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Rabba Yashor Rabo Yishata Yadaranabahaya. Jesus' name. Let the Holy Ghost move. Let the Holy Ghost speak to you. Come on. Let the Holy Ghost turn up the volume of the Spirit here today in your life. Hallelujah. Oh, God, I need your touch. I need your help. I need your strength. I need your anointing. I need the power of the Holy Ghost in my life. Oh, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's seek God today. Let's seek God today. Let's seek Him this morning. Let's call on His name.